Blog Talk Radio. Harvey L. Bailey. And Reverend Arlene Cahat. 
and with tonight we are going to talk about the pitfalls of unrequited love, which is one of the reasons why we had a different intro song for today. But before we get started, um, we're going to go ahead and get ourselves prayed in. So we'll be right back. Apparently, I had completely muted myself out, but uh, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what happened. <laughs> I do apologize, everybody. <laughs> and like I said earlier, uh, tonight we are talking about uh, the pitfalls of unrequited love. And the question I was asking and got absolute silence because I was muted. <laughs> Was you know, um, you know, have you had uh, many experience with unrequited love, Reverend Harvey? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, you know, I guess okay. that's just one of those things in life that you know, at some point, and maybe everybody haven't gone through it, but I certainly have. You know, you like someone, and they just don't like you the same way. And yeah. it can be painful, you know. It can be really bad. Sometimes, actually, in my opinion, when you like someone and they don't like you the same way and they, you know, say it up front or they do their best to send you the message, look, stay away from me, you know, I just don't like you that way. It, though I didn't appreciate it when I was younger and it happened, older I can definitely appreciate it because there's nothing worse than getting involved with someone who lukewarm like you. And like, okay, well, you know, and then because really as relationship coaches, we can tell you that's usually doomed from the start. In rare occasions it do work. But usually it's doomed from the start. If that person don't really like you, it's kind of a lukewarm thing. It's like, well, you know, whatever. It's, yeah, don't love me that way. 
<laughs> just, just be upfront and clear with it and say no, you know, I'm just not interested. Yeah, yeah. And I I have myself uh experienced that as well. Um and then here's here's the here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Um you're actually even though that that rejection in the beginning is is something that's very painful, believe me, if uh the person strings you along um and and is dishonest about it, that is far worse than the actual oh, yeah. initial rejection. Um Absolutely. and yes. And so here's the here's the thing. I, I don't want people to delude themselves about um when they are when they are, you know, you're going to convince that person that, you know, that you are really, you know, the one that they want to be with, that that you're just, believe me, you're just setting yourself up for heartbreak. So if they actually say, you know, well, I'm just not that into you, uh, take it at face value and don't put yourself in a position where you are exposing yourself to... Uh, even more heartache and rejection. Um, uh, and here's the thing: um, even uh, I, I do recall uh, one at one point, and and it, I can't necessarily say that the the love was unrequited in this, in this particular instance, but I had had a relationship with um, a guy, and one of the things that he had told me initially was that he did not want to be in a relationship. Uh, he did not feel that he had anything to offer in terms of, you know, he was thinking more of financial stability and things of that nature mm-hmm. and to not and not expect anything from him uh, other than what he could give me. And here, and I think the hard part of that particular relationship was that I knew that he cared for me. I knew that he loved me, and I knew that he loved me on a bone deep level. But those those things were not enough for him to, you know, I, his love for me was not enough to overcome those things that he saw as barriers. And here. And lies the difference between men and women, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that he was operating off of his logic about what he could do for me, what the relationship was, whether or not he wanted to have any type of involvement with with what I had going on at that time in terms of uh, having having young children and things of that uh, things of that nature. But he never, he never wanted to mix, uh, our, you know, our lives. Now, women tend to act differently in this particular instance because women have the tendency to be more emotional about it and driven by the heart. And a lot of times, you know, a man may love you or care about you or, or not care about you, um, and still do the physical things. Uh, that you may associate with mm-hmm. love. However, if they, if the person is honest enough with you to share that 
where their where their mind is, then trust it and be thankful for it because you know you are you are are more than likely trying to set yourself up for uh, disappointment if you don't honor what is being said. Always make sure that the actions back up the words um, of, of you know um, of of the individual. What do you what do you say, Reverend Harvey, to to that particular oh, scenario? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, when we talk about unrequited love, if you you can look at it several different ways, but the bottom line is, people usually, even if they don't say the words. They give you clues in how they treat you. For decades, I've been saying actions, not words. That's how you make a name for yourself. Because anyone can say the words, but the words is mere rhetoric if you're not backing it up. You know, you could tell somebody you love them, all this stuff, or they can clearly show you that they don't want to be in a relationship with you, that they want no parts of you. You know, and you can chase and chase and chase and chase them thinking, okay, you know, I've seen this on TV and in the end I've got to win. No, it don't work that way in real life because there's no one writing the script but you and them. And there's no director and no producer. It's just life. And it doesn't always happen. You can chase and fight and do everything you can to try to make this person love you. But, look, life is short. There's somebody out there who really, really, really would love to give you all of their heart, all of their love, and you're busy, stuck, wasting your time with this one person. And worst case scenario is that you actually get the person. Why is that the worst case scenario? Because if you do get the person, again, 99% of the time, you end up regretting it. Because you trying to make this person be the way you think they're supposed to be in the relationship, and they're still showing up almost as crappy as they were when they were trying to get away from you. Because you're mm-hmm. not the one. And I just want to tap this off with this. I remember decades ago, and um, some fellas, me and the fellas, you know, we were hanging out and we were talking about, you know, girls. And so one dude had been messing with this girl for a while, you know, and I'm talking like a while. They were like high school sweethearts. And so it was like, well, if you're not going to marry her, why are you still with her? And his answer was because she's just not the one. You know, and, of course, we're looking at him, then why are you still with her? He didn't answer that, but the truth of the matter is this. She's Miss right now. And right now could last, obviously for them, you know, near 10 years at that time. Right now can last for a long time. But one day that one walks in and, you know, he just drops you like a hot slot, like a hot potato. But you figure because time has been invested in it, you know, look, (laughs) a man gets married when a man want to get married. Okay, and if you think sticking around till he want to get married gonna mean he gonna marry you, probably not. Probably not. If he was gonna do it, he most likely would have done it by now. And usually, when they put it off till later, they're putting it off because they really don't know. And when they finally do it, it's because they reach a point where they're like, well, maybe ain't nothing better coming along, so I might as well just go ahead and do this now. But for real, the longer they put it off, it's because they're looking and hoping for something better. They want to hold on to all the you-know-what they can get, 
until they ain't got until they can't hold on to it no more. So, wow. Yeah. If it's, <laughs> if you're not getting back what you put out, pack it up and roll out. Okay. Okay. So okay. So um, psychology today what has um, six ways of getting past. Um, unrequited, uh, the pain of unrequited love. And one of the things they said that, number one, there's just no way to get around it and that the rejection in and of itself is just painful. And just acknowledge that you are in pain and take care of yourself and be gentle and kind to yourself and nurture yourself the way you would if you had a physical illness. Uh, I I would definitely concur with that because you are, even though it is an emotional pain, they they say that people use the phrases like broken hearted, wounded spirit, or hurt feelings, and and they're not simple metaphors. And they say that the research has shown that emotional pain activates the same part of the uh, brain as physical pain. Now. Uh, number two, the the other uh, number two is to understand that you're not alone because it can be a very painful. Since you're in this pain, you're feeling like you're the only one who is going through it uh, at that time. And one of the problems with this kind of rejection is. It's not enough that you feel sad and lonely and brokenhearted. It just uh, it may also make you feel bad and ashamed, and you start to worry if there's something wrong with you. Now, one of the things that they do give an indication of is that, um, and this is number three, actually, that leads into number, number three, which is whether or not it is an actual pattern for you um, is, we, you know, being attracted to people who are not attracted to you is that a continuous pattern that you're you're doing? Because if you're if it is a pattern, that is something that you need to look at. Now, I'm going to uh, share something with the listening audience they may not have been aware of. Uh, there, when, when Reverend Harvey and I started working together, uh, I had, you know, I had gotten the intuitive nudge that I needed to go ahead and and partner up with him to do this work. Um, however, I was feel had feelings towards him, so one of the things that I did. Um, up front was let him know, and I got to tell you, uh, when he gave me that, uh, sorry, well, you know, you know, uh, you're not my type. Sorry, uh, I got to tell you, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't say it that hard. Understand, Harvey's like the Harvey of today, and here's another moment, you know. Uh, the Harvey of today is a whole lot softer and gentler of the Harvey that I met those few years ago. So, and so I, I got to tell you, you know, I'm like, you know, I was like, okay, I, I sucked it up. And I knew that I was going to be in pain 
and I knew that I was, you know, I was going to go through my withdrawals. And my only request of him was like, okay, well, don't be like some guys that I had known. You know, I've already been transparent and honest with you about this. Uh, I'm going to go through my process of what I have to do to to get over my heartache, um, but don't put the moves on me. Don't you know? Don't do don't don't do that. Don't do that. You know. So, and um, and over time, what has um, happened in our friendship? Because again, one of the things that I think people should know is that I I honestly feel that our business partnership was divinely put together. Uh, there was, um, I think that there was, I, at least for myself, I'm, I can't speak for Reverend Harvey, but for myself, there was a great deal of growing that I did in the in the friendship in and of itself. And at one point, I did actually ask for divine help with transforming the relationship into a relationship that that source would have it be and operate at. And what I have learned was that um, to – I learned how to be accepting of a person, um, you know, exactly where they are, accepting everything about that individual and, and loving them there. And and for that, I think that the relationship, from my standpoint, um, became richer because of it. So this is another uh, sort of a side note that perhaps the relationship that you are wanting to be one thing is designed to be something else. And to it is also designed to help you grow. And I would say that my relationship with you, Riven Harvey, has actually caused me to grow, and there were aspects of our relationship um, that I wanted in um, a relationship uh, and that I, I currently have with my current hus- uh, husband, and I literally called you practice hubby because I figured mm-hmm. that if, you know, if I can be in that place where I could... Um, have all of those things um, Mm -hmm. that I had in the relationship with you um, and, and have some, the extra, extra added perks of relationship that I would be in a good place. So, Hey, there we have it, ladies and gentlemen. And just in case there were people out there that were wondering, uh, no, we've never really been involved like that, but we we did become very close friends. There's a whole lot of people who have been wondering. You know, they still don't believe me when I tell them, but, you know. We were always just what we are now, really good friends, and we connected and bonded. And I'm telling you, I didn't say it that harsh to her, folks. She may have heard it that way. I'm sure I would have said, you know, I don't like you that way. And she may have said, heard, you're not my type. But I'm pretty sure it would have been softer because, you know, even as hard as I was, I wasn't ruthlessly cruel. (laughs) Nah, woman, I don't like you like that. (laughs) After all, we did continue to have a really great friendship. And as she mentioned, 
um, the me of today, 2016, is definitely not the me of 2014 when Arlene and I first started. So uh, that change did come with working with her so closely, even down to, and Arlene, you'll remember this, you know, when I was doing my coach training, and, you know, as a coach, I'm already a coach, and have been since 2011, but, you know, you keep your skills sharp, and so I've been working with a group out in California, um, and they've been mentoring and coaching me with growing what I do, and so there was some training, Arlene, you remember back in, uh, what was it, August, that I had to go out mm-hmm. to California, and we did, and and the guy who runs the organization, you know, he liked everything about my speech, my stage presence, how I did what I did, and all he could say was, there's something about you I just don't trust. You know, and I'm like, okay, now that hurts my feelings right there. You know, you could have criticized a whole lot of things, but to say I was, you know, really good, but something about me that you don't trust. And so over a period of two days, because it was three days that we were there for, and he come up, he finally realized what it was. And what it was was this. I come off too hard. And so I tell a story, and the story is, you know, it's kind of emotional. And what he wanted was for me to show more vulnerability. When telling this story, for people to connect, it's a story that's going to, you know, pull at the heartstrings. So I should appear more vulnerable. Well, you know, I'm straight up from the hood. I ain't no gangster, no G, no gang member, no thug. You know, that ain't never been me, but I still grew up in the hood, you know, and so for years, my slogan was, I'm Teflon-coated, blue-twisted steel. Ever since I graduated basic training, well, it was infantry, so it was basic and your um, one-stop unit training. Your training is connected with your basic. But, you know, ever since I became an infantry man, I'm Teflon-coated, blue-twisted steel. You can't hurt blue-twisted steel. So, yeah, you know, we go back two years ago when you and I connected, I was definitely a lot harder, you know, and even the 2016 version, as I told him, I, I bust out laughing when he said that because I was like, well, I can't tell you how many people have told me I'm too hard, but this 2016 version is the softest I've ever been in my life and it is because that's Mm -hmm. just where I've come to but yeah so yeah absolutely you know working together has been something that changes people and I, I think you know me being what you call your practice husband you putting that out there created uh a space for someone to come in because you were already telling the universe I'm practicing to get this right You know, and so Mm -hmm. the universe is saying, all right, well, if you're practicing to get this right, then I must be preparing to send you someone to fill that slot. And that's what they did for you. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so number four on our Psychology Today list, um, ask yourself if you would have rather not loved the person at all um, and is it true that uh, what Alfred Lord Tennyson's poem says, uh, if I hold it true where air, where, where air befall, I feel it when I sorrow most, tis better to have loved and lost than to have, <laughs> have lo- uh, never have loved at all. I'm not so sure if I agree with that. But uh, they're suggesting that there is uh, an exquisite beauty 
and mm-hmm. that type of love. And uh, it makes us feel alive in a very special way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, it hurts like very uh, few other things do. I'm not, I'm not so sure I think I could do without it, but hey. You know that is what psychology today has to say. You know, what do you what do you think, Reverend Harvey? You know I love love, and I'm a hundred percent behind that. It is better to have loved than lost than to never have loved at all. And and this is coming from the guy who you know was Teflon coated blue twisted steel. <laughs> but there's a space when you are in love. There's a space that you're in. You know, everything is brighter. Everything is different. You are completely high off of the drugs that's going on, you know, within your body. You are actually alive, and it feels different than when you come off of it, you know. And that's why so many people become serial daters or so many people love the early stages of a relationship because, you know, that that high that you get from it. If you could bottle that up and sell it, man, you'd be a billionaire by the end of the week, and it's already Thursday <laughs> because it's that good. <laughs> so if, if you can get past the heartache, and, and I'll share this personal story. Um, And, and <laughs> Arlene, you know you we've discussed my three great loves. So I won't yes. put names out, but with love number three, it's one of those things going into where – you know, the odds were probably against, but it didn't matter. The way I felt was more important than the possibility of getting hurt. And that was even something that was discussed, but it didn't matter because the way I felt about this person was genuine. It was real. And so, hey, if I have to love and lose, you know, what's more important is the moments that we had that were good. And so even in retrospect, to look back at it, would I do anything differently? No. I showed up the best way I knew how at that time. You know, taking this knowledge that I know, it would have been a different thing. But at that time, I showed up the best way I knew how. I loved as hard as I possibly could love. And in the end, yeah, there was a lot of hurt and pain. And there was a, a period where I had to go through and had to adjust. And, uh, hey, Arlene, you being you and us being able to talk, you know, and you being there, being a great friend, made that period go a lot faster than it would have had you or someone like you not been there. But still, would I have would I have bypassed it if I could have? Heck no, because the good moments are that important. You know, those good moments for me as the kind of relationship coach I am are the kind of moments that I say what I did there is the lessons that I need in the next relationship. What didn't work is what I can avoid in the next relationship. So I got something out of it. And, you know, the memories and the feelings of the best times that we had is the things that I will take with me into each and every relationship afterward going forward. So, yeah, I would never change. I would never trade the feeling. Okay, so you get hurt. That's life. Anybody who don't get hurt, you're not a living life because that's just the way this world is. You are going to, hey, it takes a fool to learn that love don't love nobody. And once you've learned that, forget about it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> after you've done the what is love, it takes a fool to learn that love don't love nobody. You know, I'm tired of that same old love. Get past all of that. 
and then find a new love, a better love. You know, learn how to find out what love is. And love begin with yourself. When you can pour it all in you, then you can pour it out. Because you really can't give away but so much. The more you have within you, the more you can give away. And that's the whole thing. I think every hurt is telling us something about ourselves. Every hurt says go within and find out what's going on in you. So, yeah, I firmly believe in it. Rather a fool in love with a broken heart than someone who's never been in love. See, we, Uh Yavo. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. Welcome to the Family Healing Circle, where we inspire awareness, motivation, and ideas for all areas of your life. On Sundays, we have Make Me Feel It Radio with Stacey Ferguson. This show aims to inspire people as it seeks to grow and change the world through personal and financial development. On Monday, we have Totally Hold with Pastor Cook. This show addresses issues surrounding mental health and spirituality. On Thursdays, it's four to five different shows a month. On the first Thursday of the month, we have Total Empowerment with Angela Hardy, where beauty and strength are celebrated and enhanced inside and out. And on the second Thursday of the month, we have One Love, One Connection, One Us with Reverend Arlene Cahat and Reverend Harvey L. Bailey, where they give you ideas and strategies on how to create, attract, and transform your relationship into a spiritual union. And on the third Thursday of the month, we have the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam. This show is for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. And on the fourth Thursday of the month, we have the Inner Consciousness with Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. This show explores the inner workings of the mind and gives advice on spiritual growth and self-healing. And on the fifth Thursday of the month, We have Healing Paradigms with Reverend Arlene Cahet. This show aims to provide a shift in perspective that provides healing and personal growth. And on Friday, we have Let's Talk Love, Sex, and Nutrition with Bonnie Walters and Zilana. This is sex talk like you've never heard it before. This is the Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio. All shows from Sunday through Thursday start at 7 p.m. and on Friday at 7.30 p.m. And now you can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Family Healing Circle Media. This is the Family Healing Circle where we heal the mind, body, and soul. And we're back. And so... Yay! So we're going to go back to our list here from uh, Psychology Today. And, you know, they say that, you know, this may not help you much, but there is evidence that unrequited uh, love hurts the person who is loved as well as the one who is doing the loving. And in a study of more than 200 incidents of unrequited love, uh, Boymeister found that the rejectors suffered from guilt and anxiety and often reported feeling like they were victims. Um, Boymeister reports that many of the pursuits said things like, I never hurt anyone before, 
and talked about how awful it made them feel to know that they were doing it now. Um, I I think yes. I, I would say um, being on the because I did have the opportunity to be on the other side of unrequited love, um, and and at least it's never it's never been my intention to actually hurt anybody, but it just you know maybe feel funny that okay this person cares about me. Um, they're wanting more from me. However, I'm not um, able to give it. And even I, I think that there had actually been some, there had been some times when I had, you know, very young, uh, back when I was a teenager, and there was somebody that, that had an interest in me, and I figured, well, let let me just, you know, go out with them and see. And what I had found was that, uh, the behavior that I had exhibited towards them um, was probably far worse than anything that I had would have exhibited towards um, somebody that I had cared about. So, you know, I can I can definitely understand how they're you know how the person who is being loved um, you know feel guilty or anxiety about not being able to return the other person's affections um what would you say to that Reverend Harvey I come down on both sides of that um because I've been on both sides it's pressure having someone like you especially when they really like you and you don't feel that way but it also depends upon where your mindset is, you know, there was there was a, a, a young lady. It's actually been a few, but there's one young lady um, some years ago, a while back, and I was not attracted to her. She was, yeah, I didn't like her the way she liked me, and we did become friends. And we did end up having a sexual relationship, and it was hmm it's actually kind of hard to explain, so I'll use simple terms, and it still won't express what was going on. She really liked me, and I was not into her um at all, and yes, I did say we had sex, but come on, I'm a man, and you already heard I was a little harder back in the days. So <laughs> we we we're go, we going back now. You know, we're talking around the um, early 2000s, a few years into the early 2000s. So I was a lot harder back then, and initially, well, to back up a little bit to work into this story. After my separation from my ex-wife, I just went into player mode. And so during that time, there were a lot of women who liked me and had feelings for me. I even became accustomed to women buying and giving me gifts. And it would be always interesting when I talked with guys and they was like, well, you want to end up buying the you-know-what anyway, you know, because you're going to spend money. And I'd be scratching my head like, well, no, because the guys I grew up with and how I live, you know, Women tend to buy stuff for us. We don't spend a lot of money on them. And even when I do, it's quickly reciprocated, you know. So 
and it was one of them things where I didn't get emotionally involved. It was all about my little head knowing what it do, and then, hey, look, you knew the rules. Because I tell you right up front, sort of like how you say I told you, I tell women right up front, don't get caught up, Emmy. This ain't nothing but sex. That's all I can give you. So don't lose yourself. And they'd be like, oh, I'm okay. I can deal with it. And three, four weeks down the line, now they all heart and emotion, and they want to change the game. And it's like, okay, well, you're gone. You're fired. And it, it was like, wow, why has it got to be like? Because I told you not to. So it, 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 it's, I come down on both sides, but even in saying that, the whole reason why I got rid of them was because I don't want the emotional guilt. You trying to fall in love with me, and you're going to be blowing up my spot. You're going to be calling my phone. You want to see me. None of this I can give you. I gave you all I can give you. It's sex, and it's sex on my terms. And so if you can't meet or live with that, then you got to go because, you know, I'll get another one. And so that was the mentality, and it was easy. So from that mentality, no, I didn't feel anything. So we jumped forward to this young lady who I started talking about coming from that background. Um, <laughs> well, the only way to put it was it was really about the oral sex that she performed. It was absolutely the best I'd ever had. It, it was, wow. <laughs> it, just, it, it just broke me down, and it was like, wow. And, and so that was all I wanted from that relationship. That it. That was it. And she really wanted the relationship. So she was buying me things, you know, take me shopping. And it was all kinds of wonderful stuff. And the worst part about it, because I did, and this is where I come down on the other side, because we became such good friends, and really the only attraction I had to her was her oral skills. And the only reason I had, you know, sex with her was because it was kind of if I didn't give her sex, she weren't going to keep giving me oral. And so it was a swap. You know, and I wanted it that bad. <laughs> really, because it was that good. <laughs> so anyway, but she treated me so good. And the worst thing is I had a checklist of what I looked for in a woman. And put the physical aside, she was everything else. She was the easiest person to talk to. We could have some deep conversations. We could have shallow conversations. Her energy was calm. I liked being around her. You know, she was the perfect girlfriend, except I wasn't attracted to her any way at all. No possible way. Nothing. Zilch. And so the fact that I felt that way about someone who I genuinely liked as a person, yet the only thing I needed from her was for her to, you know, do that thing downtown. And it, it it really started to wear on me, so much so that I just had to completely walk away from it and tell her, look, I, I can't see you anymore. I can't mess with you anymore. Now, after I said that, you know, of course, Uncle Sam sent me away for four months. And when I came back, you know, now it was a different kind of situation because it had been four months without any. And so, yeah. But anyway. <laughs> I do know. I do know that feeling. Um you know, where you feel you carry that guilt because it's like this person like you so much and you don't like them back. And so now it's almost as if they're trying to pull you in and you're trying to resist. And it's like, I really just don't want to hurt you. Why don't you please, please, please go away? Don't make me hurt you because I can't do anything else but hurt you because being in this relationship is going to hurt me. And I'm not going to do that because I don't feel you like that. And that's kind of what like your spirit is saying, you know, go away, please just go away. You're going to force me to break your heart. 
So, yeah, I, I know it from both sides. The side where I just didn't care. Hey, you, I warned you in the beginning. You did this to yourself. And the other side where, wow, I wish I didn't have to hurt you. Okay, okay. All right, so number six. Uh, finally, give up the quest for closure. Uh, everyone agrees that one of the hardest parts of unrequited love is accepting that it is not going to be what you want it to be. And you may keep looking for evidence that it's over, but what you really want is proof that it can happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like that song, Chasing Pavements by Adele, which captures the never-ending loop of the search for proof. And, you know, and then they have this uh, blurb here that uh, from the song, I build myself up, up and fly around in circles, wait then as my heart drops and back begins that to tingle. Finally, could this be it? Should I give up or should I just keep chasing pavements, even mm-hmm. if it leads nowhere? Uh, uh, let me say, don't chase the pavement. Don't chase the pavement and focus <laughs> on you. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I'm just going to put it out there. <laughs> um, and they say, you know, the answer, and it may sound harsh, but there's actually two solutions. Uh, and one, you have, have to learn to accept that whatever reason and for however long, this circle is the pattern you're going to live with. And uh, if you come to that conclusion, then try to find some ways to be comfortable with it, to let it go of your self-criticism for being in the place and with your fantasy, that closure of some sort is just around the corner. Or let go and move on without closure that you the closure that you think you're wanting. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hey yeah I'm I I say you know don't don't even bother chasing uh, the pavement or you know don't don't do it to yourself. If anything, when you're in that experience, um, it is best to turn inward, to it's best to go ahead and take care of yourself. It's best to go ahead and get in relationship with yourself. And, you know, start taking inventory as to what it is that you want to experience, what it is that you are are looking to draw into your experience in terms of what the love is like. Now, one of the things that I will say is that that person is if they have qualities and traits that you appreciate, you go ahead and you you write that down that that that, that those yeah. are the type of traits that you're desiring. Uh and and this is one of the one of the things that I would say um that your relationships, all of them have taught you something about what it is that you're wanting to experience. What it is that you like what it is that you dislike uh, and they help you to build up that list of non-negotiables that list of um, what you know um, needs, wants and requirements needs, wants and requirements Uh, 
Um, and, you know, and it, it'll get you clear on your needs and it'll get you clear on all three of those things as you continue to look at, uh, back at your relationships because what relationships do is actually reveal more of yourself to you. And it helps you to get clear on what it is that you're looking to create. So, Reverend Harvey, you have anything to add to that? Oh, yeah. And you said it all. I mean, because that is really true. You know, our relationships, particularly romantic relationships, give us an opportunity to heal what's in us. But in healing what's in us, we're talking about healing on a spiritual level. So it helps you grow. It helps you expand who you are in a spiritual direction, move closer to the Almighty. But to go back to what you were saying, you know, it's hard there sometimes because when it's over, after you've gone through, you know, you can be like a junkie. You can be like a crackhead, you know, and the best thing would be that, hey, looks like another love TKO. I think I better let it go. But that's the <laughs> rational. That's the brain. You know, the heart is like, I still believe someday <laughs> you and me will find ourselves in love again. You know, yeah. and so it's it, it's a war. We become divided amongst ourselves. And the head is saying one thing and the heart is saying another thing. And then it gets really bad after a couple of weeks or a couple of days, whatever your sex cycle is like. And then, you know, your lingam or your yoni starts talking to you too. <laughs> and it's like, oh, so now the two of y'all ganging up on me? Is that how it's going to be, huh? <laughs> so, and you think about, and what's really crazy, what's really, really crazy is, and those early days, you know, when the two start ganging up on them and on you and, and you getting horny, you forget about how bad the sex was. And then during those times in your mind, oh, it was good. It was good. No, because you're just missing it. You know, once you come down off of this and you through with this and you've gone through love rehab and you back to normal, then all of a sudden you think, well, you know what, it wasn't all that good anyway. But, <laughs> you know, when your head is telling you, you know, let it go, this ain't the one for you, you know, it's a bad choice. But your heart is saying, I can't let go. I still love you. You know, that's the thing, you know, that's when your lingam or your yoni wants to join with your heart and like, yeah, you know, we need to be taken care of. It's been a minute now, you know. Especially if y'all mm-hmm. had a relationship where it was on a regular. It's been a minute, so we need to do something. We need to get this back in. And what you find with a lot of couples today is they don't get back together, but they still hook up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that kind of serves two purposes. You know, I know I can't have you, but, you know, I'll take what I can get for now. And then let's take care of this other thing. So for those two lower emotions, you know, for that, and not that love is a lower emotion, but in this case it's working from a lower emotion, you know. And then, you know, your sex organ is saying take care of me, so you take care of that. And your head is like, okay, now we're all good. You know, I came up with a plan to take care of all of us. But really your spirit and your soul is saying, you know, this ain't right. You got to stop. And every time you're going through, you got to stop. You know, that call come through now because you done started something. You know, we're going to do this this weekend or what? We're going to hook up? Come on. You know, let's go out first. Let's do this. Okay. All right. And you know it ain't going to turn into nothing because it never turned into nothing. 
But yeah, so that's a rough one. That's a rough one because, you know, part of you know the right thing to do, which is throw in the towel, walk away, let it be, forget about me, <laughs> let it blow in the wind. <laughs> but the, the other part of you is saying, uh-uh, one more time, come on, let's give it one more shot. Maybe we can do it again. Maybe we can try again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for this evening. And even though this particular song is really kind of unrelated to to love, um, ultimately, um, again, you know, our relationships will reveal ourselves. Uh, and reveal our ourself to us, and they provide us with the perfect mirror. And I would say that for the most part, I think you know it is best to go ahead and you know go ahead and decide for yourself to attract the type of love that you are wanting into your life. I can guarantee you that it is far more far more uh desirable than just settling and and being in a place where you are ultimately being rejected. And and when you get clear on what it is that you're desiring and wanting to draw into your experience, you're going to experience a great deal of freedom and in that. Is there anything yeah. that you would like to add this uh, evening, Reverend Harvey? Absolutely, Arlene, absolutely. It's just like you said, and it can really be rough. I mean, folks, we understand it can be rough. We've been there. We know what it's like. You know, when you feel a certain kind of way and what you feel is very much real and, you know, Sometimes you even know you need to walk away. You even know you need to let it go, but you don't know how. You know, and you sitting there and you just listen to the song. Come on, let it go. Just let it be. Why don't you be you and I'll be me? But you can't. <laughs> you know, you stop right there. Be kind to yourself. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. And that's the most important thing because true love comes from within. And when you love yourself deeply, deep, deep, deeply, you're going to start to attract that because you can't have anything you want. You can only have what you are. So whatever you're willing to be, you can have that. If you want to be love, that's what you're going to bring into your life, love. That's all I got other than, hey, I'm doing relationship classes. It's in Baltimore, downtown on Reed Street at Indigenal. You can sign up right away. You can contact me. Classes begin in January. It's one class a month that we meet for 90 minutes, and uh, it's going to be dynamite, absolutely dynamite. So if you're interested in relationship classes starting in 2017, a whole new year, and uh, you can reach me at 443-388-0356. Arlene? Um, and that's all we have for for this evening. And make sure that, like I said, you know, uh, this song is a little unrelated, but ultimately 
you know, when you get clear on what you want and you settle for nothing less, you have, you're going to experience a freedom that you haven't experienced before. So love, peace, and blessings, everyone. Good night.